This is a sex pot comedy production. Why the fuck did we read this book? Required readcast. Welcome back. This is episode two. Episode number two of Required Readcast. I'm just impressed we've done a second episode. I'm just impressed we survived the end of 2017. <laughs> I know. The year ended, and it's 2018, and things already feel a little brighter. A little here, brighter. Here we are, and <sighs> it's a brand new year, and why not start the year off with a heartwarming tale? A heartwarming tale of luck and love and life in a small town. Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. But before we do that, uh, it has been brought to our attention that... Maybe some listeners would like to know who we are and why we're talking at you. And we don't need to be encouraged very hard to talk about ourselves. Oh, so all you had to do is ask once. We will happily talk about ourselves. Hi, I'm Jessica Austin. And I'm Lauren Ballman. You know, last week in the first episode, Lauren said that we're a duo called Boss. And you guys are like, a duo of what? Uh, we're an a boss of who? <laughs> who is the boss? <laughs> it's Mona, you guys. Always. Always. Uh, but we, we're an improv duo. But don't let that put you off, because sometimes improv is annoying, but usually not when Lauren and I do it. We hope. We hope. And while we have been boss, that was an awkward sentence structure, uh, we do a form called book club. And so Jessica and I have been experimenting with our love of books and literature and what we can do with that for our pretty much, well, and our first team together was Jane's Addiction, mm-hmm. Improvised Jane Austen. So pretty much the whole time we've been improvising together, literature has been involved in some shape or form. Yeah, and you know, I'm glad that we're doing a required reading podcast because these stories, like whether we liked them or not, all were influential in people's lives. And it sort of gives us all this common thing to touch back into. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I feel like that's something that already has um, kind of come out after our first episode when we talked about The Outsiders was already hearing common um, comments about, oh, I remember when I had to read that, or oh, I never had to read that, that's so weird. And you can go back to whatever point in your life and uh, see if that was book was a part of it or not. And I and think that that's really cool. I think that's one of the cool things about reading in general. But for something like required reading... Yeah, even though you were forced to read it, um, it still gives you like something in common with the person sitting across the microphone from exactly. you. Exactly. Um, but I was so excited this week to uh, get a text from a friend of Lauren and mine, a guy named Zach. And after Lauren and I were talking ad infinitum about the Outsiders adaptation for the stage and how we didn't know anybody in it, this text pings in from my buddy. It's and the he best was, thing. He goes, I'm going to read it out loud. <clears throat> a text from our friend Zach. He writes, also, I played Jerry the Soch in a production at a theater in Kansas City. I was definitely 31 years old. And then his, another text pings in. By Jerry, I mean Randy? Question mark? <laughs> and then a third text to clarify. The one who doesn't stab people and feels bad. Him. So I had to follow up with Zach a little bit to find out about his outsider's experience. So let's listen to that right now. Uh, yeah, I did... The Outsiders at a theater in Kansas City, and I was so obviously too old to be in this play. And they told me there were like high school or middle school kids being like shuffled in to see this play, and they're like, "You're too old." Yeah, so I was the Luke Perry of that production. I was just, just too old to be a soch man. <laughs> You're never too old to be a soch sack. 
If he was the uh, Luke Perry of that group of greasers, I want to know who the Jason Priestley was. Oh my gosh. Can we please call that guy and talk to him for a little bit? <laughs> Jason Priestley punched Harvey Weinstein in the face. I, did you see that article? I saw the headline and I didn't read the story. And I, now, okay. All I know is that makes me like Jason Priestley even more. Dear Jason Priestley, thank you. You're a hero. Yeah, because, you know... Oh, let's not get into that. That's not this kind of podcast. Yeah, we're going to keep politics and gross stuff out of it, unless the story calls for it. Uh, And there there is a little bit of a political element to this story. Yeah, so let's jump in and uh, talk a little bit about Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Classic short story, might we add. So, oh, by the way, we, we got this question a bunch of whether or not you should read whatever book we'll be discussing before you listen to the podcast. And... Of course, we hope that this inspires you to read more. Um, I don't necessarily think it's always required, but for something like this, this is a 10-page short story. So, if so you haven't read it, pause the podcast now. Stop what you're unless you're if you're driving, you, maybe maybe, you know, don't pull over and read it right this second. But yeah, don't read and drive. <laughs> but but seriously, do yourself a favor and read it real quick. It'll take you 10 minutes and, and it's really really good. And we don't want to spoil it. Because this story uh, does goes to an unexpected place, and you should read it before you hear Lauren and I ruin it with our exactly. Jokes. So this is one instance where we will say yes, you should. We are requiring you to require reading the reading. We require you to read the required reading before you listen to the required readcast. Say that ten times fast. Pause. Google. We'll be we'll be here when you come back. Okay, we waited long enough. Yes. Let's talk about the story. Um, I summarized this book in my little tweet length, <clears throat> hashtag RR reviews, hashtag the lottery, um, with a creepy small town, parentheses, in which there is no glass architecture, <laughs> gathers for the annual stone throwing. My summary would be, this is what happens when you let townspeople take matters into their own hands. Never, never give power to the people. (laughs) Power to the people gone horribly wrong. Hashtag the lottery. So according to our friends at Wikipedia, the lottery is a short story by Shirley Jackson written just months before its first publication in the June 26th, 1948 issue of The New Yorker. Pay attention to that date because I think it's really interesting. The story describes a fictional small town which observes an annual ritual known as, air quotes, the lottery. Uh, And this story has been described as one of the most famous short stories in the history of American literature. And I actually can't think of a more famous one. No, and and I don't know how you feel about it structurally, but for me, it's a perfect short story. It is um, rich without having to go too far into backstory. Exactly. Um, It delivers the narrative. It flips at the end and surprises the hell out of you, but it's not unexpected. She set it up beautifully. Mm -hmm. Um, Her sentence structure and the way that... I'm a sucker for... I love anything that um, when an author can skillfully give the exposition without having to hit you over the head with it. And I feel like she lays the groundwork for what this town is. Mm Mm-hmm. It's so, it's just so well written. And, um, and her characters, because it, it, since it is short, she doesn't have a whole lot of time to describe these people. And she just crafts the perfect one or two sentence about each character, and that's all you need. But it, 
it paints such a vivid picture of what this town is without having to over-explain. She's so subtle and sly, and like not to bash Essie Hinton from last week, but <laughs> right. I mean, she was. Th- th- these it, these are kind of polar opposites of someone who's hitting you over the head with description and mm-hmm. someone who can, like you said, skillfully slip it in. Yeah, I, I think Essie Hinton maybe grew up to be a badass like Shirley Jackson, but this is like definitely a writer at the beginning of their career, Hinton, and then you see Shirley Jackson just crafting this incredible multi-level short story. Uh, and the whole time you're reading it, and it's small-town America, or so we're led to believe. They don't tell us what country. No. Uh, they speak English. Mm-hmm. They're... They, It was written in the 40s, so we are led to believe that it's taking place sometime around there. But the whole time you start, there's just undercurrent of something shitty. You're like, this is Immediately. Yeah. And that's what's fascinating with it, because they they don't ever actually tell you what the lottery is. Nope, it's just lottery day. And we... We associate lottery with positive things. Exactly. Uh, you know, scratch tickets, uh, right. Powerball, um, the Hamilton, um, waiting in line for a Broadway <laughs> show. You're going to win something. You're going to win something, and it's exciting. But that's not the basis of a lottery. Like, mm-hmm. the prize can be different, and this prize is fucked up. Yeah. You don't want to win this prize. When did you first read it? You know, I can't remember. <laughs> I, I know it was in, like, one of those big, fat anthology books that they hand out on the first day of whatever grade, but I can't remember what grade I read this in, but I know, like, I've always kind of had it in my brain, and it must have been sometime before, I think, It must have been sometimes before 1992, because that's when they had a, a lottery joke on The Simpsons, uh. and I remember getting it. So, I mean, that would have put me, like, or, uh, element, or uh, middle school. Oh, wow. Okay. So I bet I read this upper elementary, like sixth grade, maybe. Oh, wow. And I don't think I, I wouldn't have, because there's no language, no. content, there's no violence other than the impending violence. Yes. And so it might, at that age, go... A little over your head, just with the weight of what it really means. I read it in high school, I was, but I was trying to remember, and I don't think it was actually required. I think I just chose it. I think that there was a, um, I, I don't, I was trying to remember, I don't know if it was like something that we just had to choose in high school from a selection of different things, and I picked this, but I have this very vivid memory of sitting in my room, reading it, and being just completely floored by it, um, even at that age. And it was probably, it was probably sophomore year, maybe, I'm guessing, sophomore, junior year. So the story opens uh, on a small town on June 27th. <laughs> June 27th. Oh, Lauren, let me tell you all a funny little anecdote about June 27th. Yes. That just so happens to be my wedding anniversary date. Huh. Um, my husband Kevin and I will be celebrating five years this year. But I completely, I didn't remember that that was the date, that that was lottery day. And then when I picked it up to read this again, I actually uh, read the graphic novel first and I opened it up and I'm flipping through and there's this like big page with June 27th. And I just started laughing so hard. And I told him, I said, "Um, did you know that our 
wedding anniversary is lottery day. And he's like, I don't even know what that means. I said, you don't want to. That's fine. Uh, so that's just that's just an odd little... I, I don't know. Maybe we wouldn't have picked it if I had remembered that when we were getting married. No, I'm, it's fine. Um, I just like that each... Each, like, story or, like, fandom has a date that's important to them. Yes. Like, June 27th, if there was a Shirley Jackson fandom, I feel like that would be a big deal. Oh, what if I we did a Shirley Jackson-themed wedding? Like, eh, all guests, please select your stones when you walk in. He's going to bag of rocks. <laughs> Most people hand out bubbles or, you know... You throw flower petals. Not here. Every chuck rocks and gets their own stone. (laughs) Oh my god, that is so funny. But there is actually a lottery day holiday. Um, Oh yeah, I started in that had to do with the book, or that that came before the book. Do with the book, but it wasn't June twenty seventh. It is June twenty seventh. Oh yeah, hang on just one second. So a quick Google um, reminded us that Shirley Jackson Day is on June 26th, and it's celebrated in Bennington, Vermont, which is the author's hometown. Oh, Bennington, Vermont. Oh, yeah. It's a fine place to be if you (laughs) like organized gambling and stone throwing. Um, (laughs) Any town that would influence this, I'm not sure I want to visit. Yeah, she said, you know, she uh, drew some influence for the story from the feel of her hometown. And I was like, I bet they didn't look on you too kindly after that, Shirley. No, (laughs) no. So before we get too far into her, let's talk about the story. So we open on June 27th. Yes. Lauren's wedding anniversary. (laughs) On a a beautiful sunny day. (laughs) And all the people are gathering in the town square. There's like... 300-ish residents in this village. It's not a big town. Everybody knows each other. And, you know, it seems like a nice town gathering. Like, maybe there's a festival or something. Um, But then there's these ominous little things. Like, there's a stack of stones getting gathered by boys. Um, Up north, they're doing away with lotteries altogether. And you're like, is that good or bad? There's a weird phraseology of it. Yes, and that's, I feel like, just such... er That's what's so brilliant about it early is right away, and I mentioned this earlier, I probably mentioned this several times, just the tone that she establishes immediately, being able to walk that line of, um, is it ominous or is this a good thing, but without explicitly saying, Mm -hmm. is so, I think that's so skillful. Yeah, so something is not right. All of these folks are gathering in, and like Tessie Hutchinson comes like hustling in, and she's, she's late. She's far, far, needs to do her dishes, and oh, you know, oh, you. Ho, ho, ho. Um, they're they're making a big deal of like, do you have a man to go draw for you? Yeah, there's the one. Um, there's one woman who her husband is at home and. They say, oh, well, we'll get your son up to draw for you. And, and that thing, like that image of the son who's like young. A teenage boy and shaking. shaking. And yeah, so they're laying the groundwork of that something is off, but we but we don't really know what. They're not explicitly saying what this lottery is. And this lottery is old. Yes. All we know is, right, they've always done it. They've always done it, and it's always a tradition or a ritual in whatever country they're in because the village, you know, villages surrounding it do it. Everybody does this ritual. Right, and they talk about, oh, up, up north, they're going to be stopping the lottery suit, I heard. Or, I like that north is still progressive. <laughs> good old progressive north. And then there's good old, then there's uh, my favorite character, Old Man Warner, who, who's been drawn from the lottery for 70 years. I think Old Man Warner is uh, the luckiest dude in the story. Like, the odds are incredibly in his favor. Right. (laughs) How has he not gotten hit in the face with a stone at some point? I I don't know. I don't know. 
Um, so anyway, they, they, they gather in, everybody gathers around, and the head of each household, one per family, and they, they bicker about, like, does a married daughter count? It's, uh, people are starting to get edgy, and tensions are getting high. Yes, and it's palpable immediately. You feel it. You feel like that bu- buzz mm-hmm. of the crowd. You can feel that as you read, and that's such an, a cool sensation oh. and creepy. Yeah, what's that feeling like if your chest getting tight when you're waiting for something? Yes. Like, whether it's waiting to hear if y- you get you made the team or you got accepted into whatever school or if you're standing and you're like, oh my God, am I prom queen or whatever? <laughs> Not that I was prom queen. <laughs> well, I love the sense of ritual that mm-hmm. she establishes. And there's um, the owner of the village coal business, Mr. Joe Summers, and he's the one who runs the lottery and he brings the box. And this box is, you know, it, that's one detail I loved how they, they're talking about like, oh, do we, is it time for a new box? Well, maybe next year. And I always say this year, we're going to get a new box. And, and then wasn't, we're gonna, and part of the box or from the old box and yeah because there was an older box yes like generations ago and and that's another thing they're like there's talk of this box but it doesn't really Mm -hmm. go much farther than that but you just get the sense of that this is a very old um storied tradition in this town Mm -hmm. well and that also almost lends itself to not being in america because if it was 1948 Mm -hmm. and we are going back generations enough to forget where this new box came from like I feel like this goes back hundreds of years mm-hmm. and an American village town wouldn't have existed for that long in 1948 would it have well and especially with what they're doing I mean that's that amount of savagery that's that feels like almost European yeah like pagan rituals going back to oh, we haven't said what the savagery is yet. oh yes oh no we haven't gotten to we haven't gotten to the savagery. but they should have read the story by now right mm-hmm. if, if you haven't read it I, we're, we can't help you we can't help you Spo- spoilers are coming <laughs> oh yeah spoilers are coming <laughs> oh let's spoil this so the head of each household gets up and um draws for their house draws a slip of paper draws a slip of paper and nobody looks at it until they say look at it right yes oh how could you sit there <laughs> Knowing that in your hand is either a blank white piece of paper or the black spot. Yes, there's one piece of paper that has this black spot that they drew with a coal pencil mm-hmm. from Mr. Summer's business, Mr. most likely. Oh, I've got the coal. And, uh, and who gets it? Who gets it? And yes, they all have to. So each man, each head of the household, or whoever was selected, has to draw one, and then they all have to stand and wait until everybody has drawn one, and then when Mr. Summers gives the word... Now... Did you ever see... I got the indication that Mr. Summers didn't draw. Or did he draw? He, did he, he draw? did draw. He had to draw, too. Everybody went up. He okay. did, like... I think he did it good I wasn't sure if he was exempt because he was head of the lottery. No. I, I must have missed that part. Because that would be an amazing privilege yeah. if you were allowed to be head of the lottery and didn't have to get right. hit with stones. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. <laughs> so, anyway, Bill, Hut- Bill Hutchinson... Yes. Gets the mark of coal on the paper. Right. And then that means his family has to draw. So, yes. And so that's what's interesting about it is it's not the, it's not the initial draw. Mm-hmm. They then have to go by that family. So since Bill drew it, it's now the Hutchinson family is up for sure. The but which one will it be? They are fucked. And the Hutchinsons, so, so Tessie's the one who arrives late and just like, oh, I couldn't leave my dishes behind. Comes <laughs> bustling <laughs> up, all good humored and stuff. Um, and uh, little did she know, she probably, so that's what's, I, I feel like that's 
the, one of the most fucked up things about the draw is that now they have to go and redraw for which one is it going to be when the mother and father and these three little kids. I the, could, little, what is it, Davy or the little boy that he's, he's not even big enough to reach the box and they have to stick his little hand in to pull his piece of paper and out. And help him find one. You're like, <sighs> if you're too small to get a piece of paper, oh my God. you shouldn't be eligible to be stoned to death. No. Uh, so the Hutchinsons all go up and uh, Tessie Hutchinson gets it. And still at this point in the story, you don't know what it is. You're like, well, it's a lottery. Why is she being such a bitch? Yeah. Oh. And, and, and I mean, there's the immediate... They even build to it in that you can tell she's trying to almost hide the fact that it was hers. And because mm-hmm. somebody else has to say, Tessie has it. Tessie like, has she's it. not even proclaiming that she has it. And she she must have known because she was arguing at first. She was like, this isn't fair. Um, the draw, uh, He wasn't given he enough time to time. draw. Mm-hmm. So she had that like women's intuition in your gut that says something bad is going to happen. I think Tessie knew it, like smelled it on the wind or something, that she was going to get the oh, marker cold. So, uh, Tessie draws it, and everyone in the town grabs some stones and starts walking towards her. And that's where the story ends. And the, you, you read that she gets hit in the face with one, and the, um, the final line of the story is just her saying, it isn't fair, it isn't right, Mrs. Hutchinson screamed, as then they were upon her. As then they were upon her. So, one detail it ends. that I love about the beginning of this story that's just grosser at the end is they're like, they gather at for the lottery draw at 10 o'clock because they want to get it done early in the day so they'll be done by noon so they can go home and have the and rest have, of their day. And have, uh, what, what did they call it, a uh, noon dinner or something? Oh. And they, don't, they didn't call it lunch. They're like, oh, let's just get this over with in time for... Yeah. Two hours is plenty of time to draw names and stone one of our neighbors to death. Oh, and we only had 20 citizens. This didn't take so long. But now there's 300 of us, so it takes... But, okay, so then here's where it is. They don't explain why. They never explain the why of this. Mm -mm. So you're eliminating one person from your town a year is essentially what happens. They don't... But that, that to me is not enough for it to be a population thing. So is it... This is their way of keeping each other in line. Is this right? But there's no, there's no behavioral thing. It's not like if you break the law, then you get stoned to death. Right. It's, it's just totally random. So that, that to me is the most haunting thing of this story. Mm-hmm. Is the why of it? It's not like it's described as this is, or it's not like it's described in the future. And then this is this is the way that people have learned to have to deal with some sort of population problem or crime problem. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's in the past, and it's, they never explain that why, and that to me is so creepy, and just how cold it is. She doesn't even get to, like, say goodbye to her family. No hugs, and her family is 100% on board. And her family 100%. bye, mom. The littlest boy who had trouble reaching the box, all of a sudden they hand him a stone. And there you go. So it's, so it's it's so cold and brutal. And it's, it's like, steeped in ritual and tradition. This is something these people do. Yeah. So let's speculate why they do it. Ooh, I know. I that's that's the thing. That's the question that like I said, it's been mm-hmm. haunting me all over again. Well, I think if you look at like pagan ritual or even like modern ritual, the the why of it has almost like really been forgotten. Like why do we give Christmas presents? True. It's a thing we all do. We just do it. We do it because it goes back 
way back to, I believe, solstice, right? Right. Well, and that's what they, <laughs> good, my good old old man Warner, that's one of my favorite lines, but they're talking about, mm-hmm. he's, there's a part where he's talking about um, how the young folks today don't, don't understand why they do this. And he says, um, at one point, there used to be a saying about lottery in June, corn be heavy soon. First thing you know, we'd all be eating stewed chickweed and acorns. There's always been a lottery. So he kind of makes it seem like it was maybe some sort of good luck thing they would do for harvest mm-hmm. or crops. Because that's a, it totally sounds agricultural on that. Right. Like, hey, the same reason... How you- did that come about? If we stone a person to death, the corn will be great? <laughs> <laughs> or, or, part of me is like, is there some... They did, is it some sort of idea of sacrifice? Of like, well, we need to appease whatever deity appeals to these people. And they're clearly not doing it based on sex or age. Mm-mm. It's the yeah. entire town. Yep, you don't have to sacrifice a virgin. You can... It could be Old Man Warner. It could be Bobby Martin. Mm-hmm. Like, or, like, it's that idea of humans being so <sighs> awful. It, it, kind of, it kind of feels a little bit like a purge type thing. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's giving this town an excuse to have the one day a year where they do something really fucked up. That feels like, to me, the, the, the most realistic. I think these people in this town could excuse it as, well, it's for the harvest. Oh, well, it's for the peace whoever they worship. But I think it's that people at their core... We need to release the violence. And that's why this still stands so well. This is going to, this story will stand the test of time because that part of human nature Mm -hmm. has always been there and always will be, and it's scary. Well, and and why, I mean, why is The Purge such a popular film? Right. Like, that is real. If you get an excuse, an excused murder. And how is that idea so appealing of, so 364 (sighs) days a year, we're going to act like this normal town they all they all have to there's 300 of them they know each other really well they all mm-hmm. they, they all see each other every day they're neighborly they do business they're friendly but on that one day a year we don't know who but one of us is going to get stoned by everybody else and it doesn't matter if that's the person who gave birth to you you are still welcome to whip a stone at their head as hard as you can and that's such a personal act too it's mm-hmm. that's another thing it's not that they're choosing somebody that they're just going to go hang in the town square or that they're going to shoot in the head it's or like stoning with I don't and we don't get an indication of how long this might take because it ends right as it begins mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's terrifying too when you just think about like how chilling that is of this poor woman then being chased by the entire town well and a couple of the th- themes I don't always love themes because right. it seems a little like English lit class sure but a couple of these hit so hard because they're scapegoating Oh, yeah. You know, if we can take out all of our aggression on that person, whether it's a person that you have chosen to be the scapegoat or whether it's a person who pulled a slip of paper out of a box, there's still something nice to be able to be like, their fault, kill them, and everything's going to be great. Exactly. It's their problem because they pulled the stone, so. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, like, mob mentality. Yes. Which I think, I mean, you can even find pieces of that today. Well, I went to CU Boulder, dude, and whenever... I went to CU Boulder in the late 90s, early 2000s, when it was riot town. Every time any sort of team won a football game, cars were getting flipped over. Boulder riots? Boulder, Colorado <laughs> had, was nothing but fucking riots. Like, oh my God, eventually fucking you, Boulder white kids. Fucking Boulder. 
So <laughs> we weren't allowed to have couches on our porches for a while because people would take them and oh set them on God. fire. Oh, my God. Like, tear gas was regularly blowing down my street because the idiots I went to college with got drunk and excited about football. Like, that was <gasps> the most bullshit riot. But... That is the mob mentality thing. Yeah. Oh, that dude's setting a car on fire? I'm going to go set a car on fire. I'm in. Oh, Sweet. you're all going to throw stones at this lady? Okay. Pass me a stone. Because it's easier to throw a stone at her than not than to be the one person who's not going along with it. Do you think if you didn't want to go along with it, you would then be stoned? I don't know. That's a good question because I've also thought, so in, in your mind, how, how much longer do you think this goes on in this town? Do you think it goes on forever or do you think it eventually reaches a point where there's some sort of revolt? I think that up north, towns <laughs> have stopped stoning people and eventually they impose their regulations throughout the rest of whatever their country this is. There's going to be a trickle-down effect. I think there's a trickle-down effect. And I think there are some parts in this parts of this fictional country that want to keep their right to stone their villagers, and they fight for it. Well, because think about it with this example, with the Hutchinsons. They just made that entire family's life so much worse because now they don't have a mother. Mm-hmm. They, they're missing one of their primary caregivers. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Mr. Hutchinson's going to go home, and there will not be noon dinner. Because guess what? You just stoned your wife. Yeah. You know who cooks the noon dinner? Uh, the dead Tessie. lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a quote from Shirley Jackson about the story. Mm. Because... Um, and Shirley Jackson's a fascinating person, by the way. She is cool. I'm going to talk about her more in a sec. But... Man, people did not like this story. Oh, I don't doubt it. The New York Times got so much hate mail and uh, angry phone calls and subscription cancellations because of the lottery. 1967, right? Nope, that's uh, 1948. 1948. Yeah, 67 oh Outsiders. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm back in last week. Hi. <laughs> um, but she did print it in a 1968 collection, so that's, there you go. That's where I got the 68. Um, so she, let me see that is phenomenal. The New Yorker kept no records of the phone calls, but letters addressed to Jackson were forwarded to her. That summer, she regularly took home 10 to 12 forwarded letters each day. She also received weekly packages from the New Yorker. Oh, did I say New York Times? I meant New Yorker, sorry. Oh. Containing letters and questions addressed to the editor um, and also carbon copies of the magazine's responses mailed to letter writers. Wow, this is like the earliest form of trolling. Totally. I mean, she was getting, like, hate mail. Um, there are three main themes which dominate the letters of that first summer. Uh, bewilderment. What the fuck did that mean? Speculation, which you and I just did. And plain old-fashioned abuse. <laughs> so basically, people were just call, uh, writing her letters, telling her that she sucked. Yeah. And her parents were like, we didn't like that story in the New <laughs> Oh, Yorker. Shirley, we don't know why you wrote this. Oh, Shirley, no thank you. You did not paint a very good picture of Vermont. Um, the general tone of the early letters, however, was a kind of wide-eyed, shocked innocence. <laughs> people at first were not so much concerned with what the story meant. They wanted to know was... <laughs> oh, no, I love this. What they wanted to know was where these lotteries were held and whether they could go there and watch. That's a quote from Shirley Jackson. That's what's For crying out loud. You, it's made so up. So while she's getting hate mail... She's also getting There's mail. also people who are like, so these lotteries, um, are they for public viewing or... Those are like the people who think onion stories are real. <laughs> oh. So anyway, yeah, sure, this was not critically or well-received by the general public. Uh, no, our... no. And how badass, though, that 
when we did this unintentionally, so our first two authors, well, and I guess when we reveal what our next book is, our third one as well, female authors, Mm -hmm. but how badass is it that she wrote this at that point in time? And that she was published and she kind of spoke up and spoke her mind. So anyway, she didn't give a lot of interviews. Um, She's best known for the short story, The Lottery, but um, she also wrote The Haunting of Hill House. Did you read that? I didn't. And I actually, I, I'm really glad I, um, the book I checked out that has the lottery in it has, is a whole collection of her shorts. And I think that's in here too. And I want to read a bunch more of them because I've never read anything else of hers. Yeah, I'm 100% on board for trying out The Haunting of Hill House. But she has been cited as an influence on Neil Gaiman and Stephen King. And there's more people on that list, oh, but they're not writers I that I know. That. That's great. I have to read this too on the back of my book. Um, there's a quote that uh, is from Dorothy Parker, who I love. Um, and she wrote, Shirley Jackson is unparalleled as a leader in the field of beautifully written, quiet, cumulative shutters. Ooh, that's good. Isn't that good? Yeah. Well, I just think that if the lottery creeped me out so hard, and it didn't really get creepy until the end... Haunting of Hill House must be scary as fuck. I know. I'm a, I I know I need to yeah, I need to find that. I want to read that one for sure. So, you know, like I said I don't love theme and I don't always love critical interpretation. And this one essayist speculates that quote, every major name in the story has a special significance. And I want to call bullshit on that because he is calling out Martin Bobby's last name derives from a Middle English word signifying ape or monkey. Oh, come on. This, this <laughs> juxtaposed with Harry Jones and quote-unquote Dickie Delacroix of the cross urges us to an awareness of the hairy ape within us all. Veneered <laughs> by a cre- I think that's too much. You're, like, you're stretching a little, pal. They're stretching a lot. Like, you can make all those connections, but I don't think Shirley Jackson was sitting there going, Martin. No. Martin. Ooh, Harry Ape. No. I, I, I really think she was trying to uh, bring across the theme of human nature is fucked up. Across the theme of people have last names, and sometimes those names are Martin. <laughs> it's, a, I, it's a simple town. Right? We have last names like Martin and Warner. I just, and Hutchinson. I think people put on so much credit to writers like oh well every single name that she put in this story has a special has significance to mean something you're like did it or is that just a name that she, she liked she just picked that name because mm-hmm. uh, you you haven't read the stand yet by Stephen King have no, you no not yet I, I read haven't gotten there girl I can't wait I know I can't wait. but I read an essay on that where it's like well King chose the name Redmond for Stuart Redmond's last name because he's all American and I was like did he I give Stephen King a lot of credit, but yeah. also that's just kind of a cool last name. Right. Sometimes sometimes people pick names because they just picked that name, and that's okay. And sometimes essayists or students have to attach symbolism because their professors make them. To everything. To everything. Well, my question for you, Lauren, now that we have read the lottery, yeah. is uh, on lottery day... <laughs> because not throwing a stone, as we discussed, is not an option. Correct. What is your stone throwing strategy? Ooh. If you had to throw a stone, what would you do? You know, I probably would at least still try to be nice about it and get a little stone and, you know, <laughs> hit them in the thigh or something. Be like, sorry. Sorry, I know you're going to die from everybody Look, I else. threw one. I threw one. Okay, am I done? Okay, bye. And then I would try to sneak away. How about you? 
I think I would do the same. I would probably get little stones and maybe aim to miss. Yeah. But I couldn't be that lady who grabs the oh biggest... Oh, my God. The biggest stone she could find with both hands. And you know who's fucked up about that? It's the woman who, when Tessie shows up late, mm-hmm. and she talks to this woman. She's like, oh, I'm late. I'm sorry. Da, 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 da. And, it was, and then that woman is the first woman who grabs that big-ass stone. Yep. She's like, oh, well, it's my friend. Okay. I got a big... <sighs> That was cold. Yes. I mean, there's part of me that's like, well, maybe it'd be great to put them out of their misery. Right. Like, uh, there's part of me that thinks that maybe some of them go, okay, well, we know that this is going to happen, so let's just get it over with. Mm-hmm. But, but that ugh. felt almost gleeful, like yeah. the grabbing of the stone. I was like, ugh. Jesus, woman. And it seems like not only are they stoning them, they're like simultaneously running them out of town. It's not like they put them in the center of something and say, okay, stand here. She's running, actively running away when it starts. Do you think anybody ever got away? Ooh, like good question. I, I, like a fast runner? I, I would book it. I'd just haul ass. Bye. Second I got that so block. long, stink town. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to my favorite. Uh, <laughs> last week I was trying so hard to find an outsider's reference in The Simpsons, and there were none. And then this week, oh. Oh, we are gonna, we are gonna shoot. This is gonna be a recurring theme. We are gonna shoehorn these Simpsons references in, references well, in if it kills us. I mean, I'm sorry, but Simpsons did it. Like yeah. they usually reference everything before anybody else. Uh, so there's that episode of the Springfield Lottery, <laughs> where Springfield's going like lottery crazy, and Kent Brockman. Uh, <laughs> if you check our Instagram, you'll see a really fun uh, picture that just made. Uh, let's play the clip. The whole state is suddenly in the grip of lottery fever, and Springfield is no exception. In fact, every copy of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery has been checked out from the Springfield Public Library. Of course, the book does not contain any hints on how to win the lottery. It is rather a chilling tale of conformity gone mad. Oh. Oh, good old early Simpsons. Oh, such good stuff. Good old Kent Brockman. So... Why did we have to read this? Why did we have to read this? Um, you know, it's a cautionary tale. <laughs> I, I really, and I really do think, I'm, I'm not just throwing laurels when I say that I really do think this is like one of the definitive short stories. This is a, like I said earlier, I feel like it's perfectly written. And if you're trying to show, if you were trying to show a class what a model of this is how you write a short story is, I would go straight to this one. It's This This for me is a short story that pops to mind because I'm not actually a huge short story reader. Same, yeah. Um, I, I would say The Lottery and Gift of the Magi. Oh, right. I think we should do next Christmas. Yeah. As a nice yeah. holiday treat. Yeah. Um, those are the two that jump out at me. My, my question more for you is, why did we choose this for the start of the year? <laughs> Because it was Happy short. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. Don't, don't make your lives like the lottery. Well, I was driving down the highway and I noticed the Powerball was over $300 million. And oh. I was like, we should do the lottery by Shirley Jackson. Exactly. It's going to be exactly the same. <laughs> I bought a Powerball ticket and a boulder. And a boulder. Oh. Well, Shirley Jackson said something about like talking about theme and meaning. And I'm going to read this. She respond. Jackson responded in the San Francisco Chronicle, July 22nd, 1948. And she wrote, 
Explaining just what I had hoped the story to say is very difficult. I suppose I hoped by seeing a particularly brutal ancient rite in the present and in my own village to shock the story's readers with a graphic dramatization of the pointless violence and general inhumanity in their own lives. Mm. Because... Check mix. Check mix. <laughs> We're multitasking. See, it's a good thing Jess didn't get stoned or Jeff wouldn't have Chex Mix for Sunday dinner. Right? I or do- Saturday dinner. What day is this? Saturday. It's Saturday night. <laughs> you guys, I don't want to brag, but I just wifed so hard. Uh, oh, also, the person I mentioned twice in the last, last episode right. named Jeff is my husband. Yes. And it's Jeff with a G, not with a J. Jeff with a G Thanks. and Jess with a J. And, and my husband, who I think I said his name was Kevin. But if I haven't, his name's Kevin. So that's so who those people are. If we talk about Kevin, them. that's him. Uh, but just know that I just wiped my little face off. And yeah, you did. I made some Chex Mix. That girl, you're multitasking like a boss. I am so proud of myself right mm-hmm. now. You should be. <sighs> Something I think is neat about Shirley Jackson, though, is that she wouldn't defend her stories. Um, her husband is a literate, was a literary critic, Stanley Edgar Hyman. Well, sorry. I know. No, it's uh, 12 years old. You, you, oh, don't worry. I've got a good 12-year-old Hyman story, too. I'm sorry. I just laughed. Anyway, Stanley, Stanley uh, said that in her work that Shirley consistently refused to be interviewed to explain or promote her work in any fashion or take public standards and be the pundit of the Sunday supplements. She believed that her books would speak for her clearly enough over the years. And I like that... She was dark. She was a little weird. And her husband totally defended that. Yeah. How cool. And um, some people, you know, critics called her darkness that she was, this, these are, this is a quote from Wikipedia, <laughs> personal, even neurotic fantasies, but that her darkness was an inner awareness of the Cold War era, and quote oh. unquote, fitting symbols for a distressing world of the concentration camp and the bomb. So... She wrote dark on purpose. She, the world in the 40s um, and then coming into the 50s, would it influence her further work, is scary. I mean, we just came out of World War II. We're heading into the Cold War and paranoia and McCarthyism and all that shit. But I think that she thought people didn't necessarily understand her work because um, she was super excited or proud, rather, the story says, <laughs> that the lottery was banned in South Africa. Yeah. She was like, uh, she said that maybe, she, excuse me, she felt that they at least understood the story. <laughs> How great is that? Like, she's she, happy for it to be banned because she knows that means that they get it. Mm-hmm. She's <laughs> like, I wrote something nasty, and why is everybody not noticing? Like, she, why, why are you requiring students to read this in your class? Why are you putting this in school? <laughs> oh my god! So the so the Hyman thing. <laughs> Sorry. So when I went to when I went to check this out at my local library, uh, the first thing I found they didn't have the actual short story collection, but they did have a graphic novel, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the section. I I miss card catalogs. Like I don't know what's going on, and so. But it had been noted that it was the Hyman collection. And so when I went out to ask the librarian, I was like, oh, excuse me, I'm looking for this graphic novel. It says it's part of the Hyman collection. And as I said it, I, like, giggled to myself because apparently I'm five. Um, But Miles Hyman, who wrote the graphic novel, is Shirley Jackson's great-grandson. 
Oh, that's so how cool. cool is that? And it's really neat. I suggest you check it out. I had no idea there was a graphic novel of it, but it's actually, it's, it's pretty cool the way it's illustrated because I don't think... There haven't been any sort of film adaptations of this, have there? There was. Oh, in, I am wrong. It's a shorty, though. I didn't watch it. Um, oh, man. But there's a short, like, 20-minute film that was made in the 60s that apparently is just weird and creepy. <laughs> so we should get a, we should find a trailer oh, for yeah. that. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, we... Last week, as we were talking about The Outsiders, like, everything we were talking about was about the guys and their relationship and the characters, because it, they were so fully fleshed out in the novel. Mm-hmm. But in this short story, it's less about people doing things, or individual, well-drawn-out characters, yeah. and more about humanity and a deeper meaning. Like, yes. these characters are fleeting. Like, we get to know them very briefly before they turn into a murderous mob <laughs> and a murdered woman. But I think that the graphic novel that you have illuminates this so well. Yes. Yeah, and it really, um, I mean, literally paints the picture because... Oh. But what's cool, what's cool about it is when you're going... The way they tell the story is really fascinating uh, because since it is so photographic, there's pages and pages where there's no writing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you can boil this story down to such a small amount of words and have it still flesh out the way it does is... Pretty fascinating. I actually read this version before I went and reread the short story, and I'm kind of glad I did it that way. Seems like there's no time at all between lotteries anymore. Oh, yeah. Lottery days are coming. <laughs> I can't help myself, y'all. Do people in Vermont have accents? I don't even know. All I know is that if something's old timey, it gets that voice. What do you know about the state of Vermont? Not nearly enough. I know that that's where they went in White Christmas. Yes. And they were really excited Vermont about it. Vermont must be nice this time of year, all that snow. <laughs> There's no snow. Vermont must be nice this time of year, all that underwear. I've seen White Christmas many times. Because White Christmas is the mm, best holiday. The best. <sighs> no, but even when I lived on the east, I never went to Vermont. Does anybody go to Vermont? I think, like, if you want to ski or... I mean, it sounds pretty. It, it's... Yeah, what do people do in Vermont? Well, it, if you live in Vermont, if you live, <laughs> tweet at us what you do there. <laughs> because Vermont sounds very idyllic. Like, Vermont is not a state that we're looking down on. No, no, no. It's just a mystery I just state. don't know much about it. And now I do know that it influenced the lottery, and so I'm oh. intrigued slash terrified. Of what goes on in the state of Vermont. Hmm, I curious. Know, I don't know much about the whole East Coast in general. Nah. I know there's a bunch of those little states all crammed together up there. New Hampshire, <laughs> Connecticut, Massachusetts, <laughs> that other one, Maine. <laughs> this is not a geography podcast. This is not a geography podcast. <laughs> I think that we should start a little map of the United States and we can put a pin in a state, every state that we cover a book that was Ooh. set in. Because we already did Oklahoma yeah. and we already did Vermont. Yeah, we got Vermont. And then when we get to a state, uh, when we get through all of them, we can find a state that, like, no story's been set in. Ooh, I like this, because our next book that we're doing, which we'll reveal later, is in a different state. I think so we can reveal now. State. You yeah. say it? Yeah. It's set in the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. in the town of Maycomb. Uh-huh. And it's time for To Kill a Mockingbird. We're doing it, y'all. <sighs> I am so excited about that. It's going to be one of our first heavy hitters, and we're really mm-hmm. excited. So the next episode, and we're actually going to be um, parlaying it into two episodes. It's going to be an exciting thing we're trying out. Yeah, so give it give it a reread if you uh, can, um, or listen to it on an audiobook or something in the car. 
But yeah, try to catch up because I am excited to talk about yes. To Kill a Mockingbird for two weeks in a row. If you've never read To Kill a Mockingbird, you kind of have to. You should. The copy that I have, like um, I, I own, and it's a really nice hardback version that my friend John gave me. Mm-hmm. And he gave it to me for a birthday after I just mocked him mercilessly for never reading this book. Oh, and I need to ask. This is John hysterical. Moore. And I have to ask. Oh. He never read To Kill a Mockingbird. Has he still not? He still hasn't. I have to check. Because oh, as of the giving man. of that book, he hadn't read it. Wow. But I... I can't believe that. I know it's... I mean, I think people are required to read that book. Right. And they should be required to read that book. Yeah. This is this is one when we say required reading that you go, okay, I, this... There's no doubt in my mind why it's required. But we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Well, yeah, we can't talk about film right now. But anyway, Um, so that's that. But speaking of books and different versions of books, um, so one of the main reasons Jess and I want to do this, we talked about earlier with what we do with Boss, but is how much she and I both, we love to read and we love literature. And one thing that we think is really cool, I know for me, I don't have one of those those tablets or um, I still am old fashioned. I read everything in paper form because what? of how I am. Yeah. But so this is to talk about uh, it's an opportunity to like explore your local bookstores, support your local bookstores um, and your local libraries. I've already been having a really great experience like getting to use the library again because of this. I got Outsiders from Denver Public Library and I didn't know this, um, but I am a tablet person and you can check out ebooks from your local library, Lauren. Right. So now that I know this, I may have to. I may have to get on board with with some sort of tablet. Yeah, I. We just need to know libraries exist, and they're cool, and you should use them so they continue to they're exist. They're free for crying out loud. Free books. Free books. Books. Check them out. <laughs> Did you just? You say heard books? me. Check them I'm, out. I'm quoting an old rap video. That the California Raisins made. It was, a, was it a PSA? Oh, yeah. Trying to get kids to read? Check, book, early 90s books, check them out. Early 90s had the best Oh, my gosh, phrases. go to YouTube and watch that. It's hysterical. But now we come to the part where... <laughs> okay. Jessica got us a surprise. I got us lottery tickets. So, they're dog <laughs> Am I going to get stoned? Yep. Ah, oh, damn it. One of, the, one of us is about to get stoned. It's been really nice hosting this podcast. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Okay. Uh, I just want to say immediately, though, if we if we are big winners, this will go in the podcast fund. It will. And for reasons of podcast And spending. we are first going to play a scratcher called Happy Holidays. It has little adorable pictures of dogs. It is dogs. And they have names. I'm going to read the dogs' names while you scratch your ticket. There's a dog named Red. And then there's a dog named Miss Lily. And a dog named Maya. And a dog named Allie. And a dog named Bingo, and a dog named Honey, and the dog named Honey has reindeer antlers on its head. We, this is, we have different dogs. We have different dogs? Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, I've got Maisie, Sophie, <laughs> Luna, Blaze, Jax, and this is my favorite, Wags with two Zs on the end. Wags. I don't understand this ticket. Okay, so I just scratched everything off and I have no idea what any of it means. Oh, yeah, I should have read the instructions um, instead of reading the name of the dog. <laughs> What do we do? Okay. If we got a paw symbol, we won a prize. Did you get a paw symbol? No. Me neither. Oh, wait. Hold on. Did you get a... Reveal a red symbol. It's a red dog bowl. Did you get a red dog bowl? No. Me neither. That was sad. Okay, wait. But we do have a, one more that's reindeer themed. <laughs> I'm going to let Lauren scratch that one. Oh yeah. Dancer dollars. Went up to $5,000. That's, that's a lot of podcasting equipment. Oh, God. Oh, you have three reindeers. I think that means you already won something. Oh, how many reindeers do Wait, you need to win? Wait, hold on. 
Um, round up eight tiny symbols. Oh, you have to have eight reindeers Ugh. to win a prize. How get many a you? get a sleigh symbol and automatically win double the prize shown. Oh, I don't have a sleigh, which is a shame because I could have won double a dollar. <sighs> Well, on the negative part, we just scratched off three scratch-offs, and we didn't win anything. But on the positive part, none of us got hit in the face with a rock. <laughs> and there's a rock sitting on this table, so I've been concerned for the whole time we've been recording this. We've just been ominously touching it. <laughs> yes, and Jessica, Lawrence, Jessica, you're stroking that, that rock an awful lot. Don't worry about it. Just start walking down the street. Mm, all right. Should I, should I turn my back? Or? Yeah. Oh, no. Hey, I had one more thing oh. from the interwebs that I found that I thought was cool. As much as I was complaining about people reading too much into character <laughs> names and blah, 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 this is really, really neat. Um, talking about Tessie Hutchinson. Oh, because uh, Tessie. There's an es- Essays in Literature, 1988, an essay by Fritz Holschläger. That's it. Look at all of those... Look at all of those vowels. That's not a real word. Crazy Germans. That's German. Anyway, he wrote an essay called The Stoning of Mistress Hutchinson, Meaning of Context in the Lottery. Oh. So her name means something. Um, Anne Hutchinson was uh, found to be a heretic by the Puritans. Ah. And they banished her from Massachusetts in Massachusetts. Massachusetts, one of those eastern states that we don't know that exists. Oh, there's one. Oh, Massachusetts. It's a biggie. Uh, 1638. So she got banned or booted out of Massachusetts for being a heretic Mm -hmm. by the Puritans. They got all judgy. I can't believe the Puritans didn't murder her because they loved killing women. Being banned was was a blessing. Right? That was kind of nice of them. So uh, this this essayist believes that Shirley Jackson was making an allusion to her. Oh, okay. Now that that one actually kind of makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And since they, he thinks that Tessie is technically the protagonist of the lottery, so he's like, those kind of go hand in hand. Oh, I and I was see. like, that seems really cool. No, that 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 would make sense. So, um, you guys go and find the Simpsons episode "Dog of Death," <laughs> and that is the one that features Kent Brockman talking about the lottery. Yes. And get your hands on a copy of "To Kill a Mockingbird." Right. So you can read along with us for the next two podcasts. Yeah. Is there anything else we need to tell the people? Uh, continue to find us on our social medias. Oh, and if you so if you like listening to this and you haven't yet subscribed, please subscribe. Yeah, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're hosted on Podbean. And tune, tune in. in. Tune I tried in. to ask Alexa to play us our podcast today, and she couldn't find us. Oh, Alexa. And she's supposed to. You that really crazy. bums me out. Oh, now I'm saying Alexa. Now I'm worried it's going to oh, turn she's on. She's listening. Oh, there's lights flashing. Okay, don't say Alexa. No. Oh, no. So um, you can listen to us on any of those places. If you're in the iTunes store, we'd appreciate a good review. It just kind of helps us stop bugging our friends and family to listen. Exactly. And find other people. Right. We're on Twitter and Instagram at R-E-Q Readcast. Uh, you can find our Facebook page, but you can also message us on Facebook at R-E-Q Readcast if you want to say hi or requiredreadcast at gmail.com. But give us a like, give us a follow, give us a listen, recommend us to a friend. That would be ever so lovely. Yes, and like we got Zach's great story about the outsiders um and the story we played last week we love getting your stories about any relationship you've had with the book that we just 
talked about or the book we're about to talk about. Yeah, so uh, tweet your short reviews to hashtag RRReviews. Um, you can send us a voice message on that on Facebook <laughs> Messenger if you want to get drunk and tell us your thoughts on, on these books. And uh, we love reviews after you've read it, but we also love reviews before you've read it. Just so speculate. if you just want to speculate what the book might be about. If you haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, yes, please. Just guess. Just send us tweets about what you think it's about. Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Um, um, at, at hashtag RR reviews. And hashtag RRTKAM. Because hashtag to kill a mockingbird is too it's long. It's too long. Too long. It's too long. But no, I think uh, I think we did the lottery right. I think we did. Well, uh, it's the end of our time together. I guess stay gold there, Mrs. Hutchinson. Oh, stay gold, old man Warner. Stay gold, Bobby Martin. <laughs> stay, stay gold, Mr. Joe Summers. Stay gold, creepy Vermont town. <laughs> stay gold, everyone in Vermont. <laughs> in in, in the, the entire eastern U.S., stay gold. Stay gold, Delacroix family, who everybody <laughs> pronounces your last name wrong. Oh, stay gold, Lauren. Stay gold, Jessica. This has been a sex pot comedy joint. Collaborative, community-driven comedy produced by Andy Jewett and Kayvon Kalitvari. Headquartered in Denver, Colorado, with technical support from Isaac Miller. Every day at sexpotcomedy.com or at a show near you. Until next time, be well, friends.